The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, They prostrated themselves and did him homage, and then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in my opinion, it is what it is, in my opinion, Star Wars episodes 7, 8, and 9 were a total disaster. 7 was okay, but 8 and 9, like, blech, terrible, terrible. But now as the purveyor of all things Star Wars, I think maybe after all of that, Disney has started to redeem itself. I'm just curious, how many of you have seen the series The Mandalorian? Oh, good. A few, quite a few of you. All right, wonderful. The Mandalorian, it's a great, great series. If you haven't seen it, maybe you've heard all the craze about Baby Yoda. A few more of you. Okay, we've, heard all, we've all heard about Baby Yoda. Okay, good. So The Mandalorian, if you haven't seen it, is set after the original three, after episode six, The Return of the Jedi. So rewind back to the 1980s. That's the, seri- that's the, uh, the episode where the second Death Star is destroyed and Luke Skywalker saves his father, Darth Vader, from the dark side, etc., etc. Okay, so The Mandalorian is set in the years right after that, and there are vestiges of that old evil empire that are still trying to get control again. And that rebel alliance has now become the new republic, and they're trying to maintain order and civility. And it's kind of a tenuous and shaky time in the universe. It kind of (laughs) reminds me a little bit of our own times. So then you have the Mandalorian. He is this heavily armored, bounty hunter, gunslinger, and he can be hired. And so some sinister characters from the old empire decide they're going to hire him because they want him to retrieve the child, this mysterious figure that has now been dubbed Baby Yoda. But the thing is, the child has an effect on him and begins to change him, and he has a change of mind and a change of heart. He decides instead that he's going to protect this child. 
that he's going to try to return him to his own kind. And that's what I have found most fascinating about watching this series is the change that this child has on the Mandalorian, who is otherwise this fierce, tough, cold, callous, you could say very self-centered. Obviously, he's greedy. He'll do anything for hire. He begins to change him. The Mandalorian wears this, this impervious armor and, and this mask that conceals his face. He never takes his mask off. And, and that's sort of a symbol of who he is. You know, you're not getting through to this guy. No, no, he's tough. He's a loner. Except the child does get through to him. The child begins to really change who he is, and all of a sudden it softens him, and he becomes caring and nurturing. He becomes very protective. He becomes very attached, very father-like. So this sort of helpless, defenseless child creature actually has all the power. And, And that mask, it's like he figuratively unmasks the Mandalorian, and lowers all of his defensive armor. Now, I wouldn't normally compare Jesus to a little green alien with big ears, but as I watch this series and as it finished right before Christmas, I go, oh, oh, wow, because he's sort of, in a sense, a little bit of a Christ-like figure. I think what he can do is help us understand the meaning and significance of today, this great feast of Epiphany the impact that it should have on our lives, right? Because if you think about the story of Epiphany, it's all about the child. Everything revolves around Jesus, and and there's a real irony to this. He is the all-powerful God, but now he's become this helpless and defenseless child who needs to be protected, and yet he seems to still hold all the power. He is the epiphany. This is, again, God revealing himself in this human child. But the twist is this, this human child who is God seems to reveal every human heart that he encounters. It's what we heard Simeon say last week in the gospel reading. Remember when Mary and Joseph come and they bring baby Jesus to the temple and the old man Simeon picks him up And this is one of the things that he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. And a sword shall pierce through your own soul also. He's talking to Mary there. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And that's what happens in the Epiphany story. So first of all, you have King Herod, a.k.a. Herod the Great, who is a total imposter. He's He's a pretender. He's pretending to be the king of the Jews. He's not even really Jewish. So he gets this title not because he has a right to the throne of David. He's not a son of David. It's because he's got political friends back in Rome. But then look what happens to him. I mean, he's an absolutely paranoid character. I'm amazed how this otherwise powerful, ruthless political figure is just shaken to the core. When these magi from the east show up and say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. But then again, (laughs) it's a lie. He's wearing a mask. He's pretending. And now he's been exposed by the truth, by the true king of the Jews. 
And he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's, he's so paranoid that in the very next episode that Matthew tells us, he does the most ruthless, horrible thing. He dispatches his soldiers who then go to Bethlehem and they kill every newborn or to up to two years old, every baby boy in Bethlehem because he's trying to eliminate Jesus. See, all of a sudden, Jesus is a threat to him. He's a clear and present danger to him, and he's got to eliminate him because he wants to hold on to his title and to his power and his control. Of course, Matthew tells us baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph are able to escape to Egypt. But it begs a question of all of us. Is Jesus a threat to you? We'd probably be quick to say, oh, of course not. And I doubt many of us would go to the murderous lengths of a King Herod. But on the other hand, (laughs) I like to pretend, don't you? I I like to think that I'm the king, that it's about me, that I should get to call the shots, everything should revolve around me, that I'm in control of my life, that I'm self-sufficient, I don't really need anybody else, I'll just take care of me all by myself. I'm the king! Of course, I know deep down that's not true, which is why I put on a mask to hide and conceal, why I put up my defensive armor so that I can't be hurt, so that you can't see who I really am, (laughs) so that you wouldn't know what I'm up to, what I'm really doing. No, no, no. I'm the king. I want to keep control. I want to have the power. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be honest. If that's who you are, then Jesus is a threat to your existence. I mean, you could be like King Herod, and you can pretend. In fact, you can even put on the facade, oh, I just want to come and worship him. Oh, yeah, I just want to worship him. Oh, But the reality is, you resist him, you reject him, and you are trying to eliminate his claim on your life. Because if he is the true king, it means means I must surrender absolutely everything to him. Now, on the other hand, you have the magi, who are in stark contrast. We don't know exactly what the term magi entailed, But we can sort of tell that they were royal and they were priestly and learned. They were scientists. They studied the stars. They were probably philosophers. And obviously, they're wealthy. You can tell by the extravagant gifts that they bring to Jesus. What I think we can say about them is that they sort of summarize the greatest of all human achievements and all of human knowledge. They've got the best that we human beings have to offer, and yet it's not enough. It's not enough. They're still searching. They're on a quest. And that quest takes them from the star into the Holy Scriptures and finally to the Son of Mary. They come and they find the child on the lap of his mother. And look at the effect that child has on them. We're told that when they see the star rest over his house, they realize that they've, they've now come to their destination. They've come to their destiny. 
and the English does not bring this out. The, the, the Greek says something like, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They fall down on their faces in front of him and truly worship him. They open up their extravagant treasures. They give him the very best that they have because they're opening up their hearts to him. There's no pretending. The wise men are not wearing masks. They have no defensive armor on. Their hearts are, are, are completely open because there's, make no mistake about it, he's the king. The child, he's He's the king. Those of you who have seen the Mandalorian, he has this mysterious saying. He's always going around saying, this is the way. This is the way. That is precisely what the Magi teach us today. In fact, at the end of the story, if you notice, they have to go back by a different way. This is the way. Now that they have encountered Jesus, this is the way. To those of us whose hearts are open, who are humble, who aren't pretending, we have no masks on, we lower all of the defensive armor. To those, Jesus is not a threat. He is the way. He is the king. This is the way. Our God has come and revealed himself to us. This child reveals who God is. And then this child reveals to us who you are. That you are his dearly loved child. This is the way. This is the way.